The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. Hello there everybody and welcome back to Everybody's Dead Dave, a Red Dwarf review podcast with me, Adam Martin, and me, Phil Hawkins. That's right, and you can join us every week to review another Red Dwarf episode. And if you're new, first of all, welcome. We have several episodes you can go back and catch up on, but if you insist on listening to this one first, quick bit of context. Uh, Phil, what's your history with Red Dwarf? Oh, it goes back a long way. Uh, makes me feel really <laughs> old thinking about it because yeah, I've been listening. I've been watching even Red Dwarf since the nineties. Since uh, I don't know mid nineties, I guess when I was just about old enough to watch it. Maybe when I was seven or eight in the sort of ninety four, ninety five, something around about then. And uh, yeah, I've been I've been watching it ever since. Yeah, so Phil, Phil is quite the Red Dwarf veteran, if you like, of, of fandom. But me, unfortunately, I until this podcast, I had never seen a single episode of Red Dwarf. I was aware of it. I've seen pictures, short clips, but I'd never sat down and watched an episode. So this is our two different perspectives. Phil, who is re-watching these, and me, who is watching them for the first time. I haven't watched and... them in about 10 years, though. So you know, <laughs> it, all the way through, I've watched the occasional one, but no, I haven't watched yeah. the whole lot in about 10 years. So it's almost like we're rediscovering it, in a way, both of us, again. But um, we are on series two, and we're on episode three, which is Thanks for the Memory, which for me just made me think of the Fallout Boy song, which came about, you know, 10 years after this episode or 15 years. But yeah, great title. So um, my first question, Phil, and this is going to probably age me, what's what's a shaken vac? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay i only know this like it was it was retro when i was young so i'm not that right. old but okay. I, I think it's like a powder that you shake on your carpet and then right. you vacuum so it it's like a cleaning thing that you put down before you vacuum to get your carpets right. even cleaner so you, you shake it and then you vac it shake that and vac because <laughs> you had hole the system's uh the ship's AI, uh, do his little recap. And yeah, he just, you know, oh, here's the crew and here's all this. But then he mentioned it and obviously there's laughter and I'm like, right, this this must be a, a thing because this came out in 1988. So I'm like, this must have been a thing at the time. Everyone back then must have known, you know, or had a passing knowledge of what Shaken Back was. And I was. think it had a really, like, one of those catchphrases that everyone knows. I think it was something like, Shaken Vac puts the freshness back or something like that. Oh, God. And it probably Very had like a song. 50s American slogan, yeah. Puts the freshness back or something <laughs> like that. Well, there you go. So there you go. Hopefully we've educated you on what a shaken back. But honestly, like that, it went right over my head. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, how do you want to kick this off then? Jokes aside. So we got an... These episodes always start with um, Holly having a little, like, recap of the main series premise. And then an additional... And then there's a little joke. But this time there was an additional additional mm. <laughs> where they set up the plot for the episode. Kind of in a way like the sort of Star Trek, um, you know, this this Star Age, blah, 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 blah. And, we, you know, Captain's Log type things that they sometimes yeah, have at yeah. the beginning of Star Trek episodes. It kind of felt a bit like that. It was just kind of like, hey, we need some setup for this episode. We'll get Holly to do it in an additional additional. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a nice... 
nice homage and odd that obviously we start this episode not on red dwarf itself as we do with so many we actually start off world um seeing them having a bit of a bit of a party yeah because what do you do if you you find a breathable atmosphere you have a party (laughs) obviously have a party i I must admit from the long distance shot I, i didn't think it was the the main cast at first i just thought it was like a random bunch of aliens or something then obviously it zooms in and you've got lister on guitar and You've got a rimmer in his hologram cage. I love the hologram out. cage because, of course, he he has to, he, you know, he has to go somewhere where there's hologram projectors. So they have to literally take a big, massive hologram projector, the most probably impractical <laughs> thing to move around with them. Yeah. It and just, then you got but, Holly on a on a CRT TV. Yeah. <laughs> but the question is, the important question is, mm. was it a Sony? Was it a Sony? I did look. Uh, I couldn't see a Sony. They're normally right at the bottom centre, and I couldn't see one. So maybe they've they've swapped brands, but maybe they can't show what that brand is. But it is. I Sony mean, we've said it. The product placement deal. Dropped the series product one. placement. Or maybe Sony saw it and and thought, "Hey, hang about now. You didn't you didn't ask us about this." But we've said it before. But it is funny, isn't it? This you know this show that's meant to be set millions and millions of years in the future, yet we're reliant on. CRTV televisions and triangular shaped cassettes using tape, but um, obviously it's a constriction of the time. Creative license, it's fine. It's and fine. it, it maybe my age here. I don't know if you still will have had this when you were at school, but no. it it reminded me of when you have the, like when when I was at primary school, there used to be one telly that got and it was a big <laughs> CRT telly that would get wheeled yeah. around the classrooms. When oh it's, yeah. When it's your yeah. classroom's turn to have a telly on a on a sort of thing with wheels, and that just reminded me of that. Yeah, that was like the special days in school. If either it was like a wet break time, or it's like I don't know, you got to like English class, and I'm sure it's better now, kids. But like when I when I did it in the early two thousands, like I, I always found English in primary school was a bit. It was taught in a very dull way. I thought for kids. But on the occasion, I remember one time we were doing The Railway Children. Great book, great, you know, great film, whatever. And they were like, right, we're not going to read today. And then, as you say, like, on a stand, this big old CRTV telly got wheeled in with a VCR underneath it. And we were like, whoa. And everyone gathered on the mat and we all sat and watched a very grainy copy of The Railway Children on VHS. (laughs) But, yeah, it is, though, isn't it? It was They were like magical moments in school because it was like, you know... God forbid you have televisions in in the classroom, you know that. Yeah, we we had corrupting our minds, you know. My primary school had one uh, television on on a trolley and one computer on a trolley, and the whole school had to share the one computer on a trolley. So it got wheeled around the classrooms. (laughs) There'll be some younger people listening, being like, "What are what? Why didn't you go to the computer room? What computer room? We didn't have a computer computer room." room. God. They, they, true story. They actually built a computer room the year I left primary school, so oh, I did mate. not get to use it. They, they were building it as I was there in my last year, and they completed it during the summer holidays yeah. after I'd started. And the same, similar thing happened at both my secondary school. I mean, my secondary school had computer rooms, but they, hmm. again, when I left, they built a whole new one, which with like <laughs> even more, with more advanced tech. And then at yeah. sixth form, when I left sixth form, they bought built a whole computer block like a whole bl- oh, different no. new building just for it and i was just like why are you always do- every time i leave an educational institution they build a whole new building with with stuff i'm going on a tangent with now. the computers no it's all right 
For some reason, our computer in primary school was called the Chippy. I don't know why. It had nothing to do with chips, but that was just what it was called, and that's what that's what we all called it. But anyway, you you youngins listening with you, everyone's got a laptop and an iPad and all this nonsense. My Final daughter bit of tangent. Is Sorry, a, just, I was going to go on, on another tangent. So we'll get two. No, more no, bits you of go, you go, you go. My da- talking yeah. of iPads. My daughter is now at primary school, and they they have a like a bunch of iPads that get shared around the school. So it's not like there's only one for the class, but it's like they do have one. They have like a whole class worth of iPads. Oh, that would have been yeah. the dream when I was at school. Never, oh, never God, imagined. Could you such imagine? A they get iPad. I got told off for bringing my Game Boy to school. Never mind having an iPad. But um, my final bit of tangent was: I remember the very first. I was in year four, I think, so about eight or nine. So this is like two thousand and four, two thousand and five. And I remember walking into school early because I think my parents had to go to work. So I got dropped off a little bit earlier than everyone else. And back then, if you were really early, you just went and sat in your like, you know, classroom rather than wait outside. So I went in and this big new shiny thing was on the wall. And I was like, Miss, what's that? She went, this is called a smart board. And I was like, oh, a smart board. And she got, you know, the pen and she was like, look, and she wrote her name. And obviously back then it was like, wow, this is this is like magic. And obviously now smart boards are dead common or even I'm, being replaced you know i mean i'm still amazed by them personally because i've never yeah. used one or been in a place where they've used one so every time i see them yes. like being like my, my daughter's school has them but i've never like seen it like and 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 in this homeschooling period we're in we see we get some videos from the school and some of them are then yeah. using the smart board and i'm still like oh, that's amazing <laughs> It's future technology, isn't it? Mad. But, um, anyway, anyway, tangents back to aside, Red back to Red Dwarf. <laughs> that is what we're here to talk about. <laughs> They're is, celebrating yeah. this. This isn't a party for any reason. They are celebrating Meth? Rimmer's death day. Yeah. What, what? Whole year of Rimmer being dead. And I mean, it's. I think it, I found it a wonderful example of like the darker humour Red Dwarf can do sometimes, but obviously doing it in a very funny way. You know, them singing happy death day to you and all that sort of thing. It was really funny. They, um, he gets a cake as well in the shape of a spanner, which then leads Deeper. to one of my favourite lines in the episode, which is from Holly, um, which is because they're saying, oh, what would he? first of all, he says, what would you have got him if he was a mailman? Would you got it in the shape of an envelope? As, mm. Then he says, Gordon Bennett is lucky he's not a gynecologist. Which <laughs> was one of my favourite episodes in, or one of my favourite lines in the episode. Yeah. No, it's a strong line. Strong. They always get given to Holly a lot of the time, funnily enough, with that dead Holly was great in this episode. Uh, he just was like on fire. firing on all cylinders in this episode. Yeah. There was some great model work in this episode, I thought. You know, when they were to, every time they used the ship, you know, I think we've said it before, but the, the ships themselves, like the shuttle ship they used to go from Red Dwarf and Red Dwarf itself, is so intricate for a model. You know, there's so, and they they know that because you know, all in all, like the transitions, there's like lots of close-up shots of like the bodywork and stuff, and yeah, I just think again, uh, as I've said before, a time when science fiction was a bit looked down on. I think it's fair to say by the BBC in the late eighties. It's nice to see that there was still a lot of this detailed work being put into what is relatively, you know, a cheap sitcom. You know, yeah, absolutely, nice. yeah. It's it, the the model work, especially on the ships, is always great on this. And just what I noticed, Rimmer says, I think he said it in a few other episodes before. Is he saying like when he's describing people? I notice sometimes is he saying gimb with a b or gimp with a p? I think he's saying gim gimboid gimboid. I know he said gimboid. Yeah, I think it was maybe just the way he pronounced it. There was one line in this I can't remember. He was talking about someone else. It's quite early on. 
And it sounded like when oh oh yes, he was a right gimp. And it could be gim as in gimbo, oh, but maybe. I sort of I sort of paused and went, does does gimp have a different me- meaning here as what it an alternate meaning it has? I'm sure it does. But again, I thought, but this is Red Dwarf. You know, they sort of can go on the line of that sort of thing. That's why I wasn't sure. I was like, are we are we doing this? Are we doing that? Yeah. Well, I mean, they could easily just take uh, take a word that is something else and use it as an insult in this. They do it. I mean, have you yet looked up what a smeg actually is? I'm not going to talk about I'm it a, on this podcast, I, but have you looked I it am up? Aware, I am aware of what smeg yeah. is, yeah. So, <laughs> people at home, if you're interested, look it up yourselves, because I'm not talking about it. <laughs> but Google with caution. By okay, God, don't please Google, Google, Google with caution. And don't click, don't, just Google articles. Please don't Google videos. Don't do that. NSFW. But, NSFW, but yes, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it was just the way it was pronounced in that in that moment. I'm sure if I had subtitles or something, it'd say different. But yeah, it just it sounded like the word gimp, and it made me chuckle a little bit. So, because I'm clearly very mature. Yeah, so. <laughs> Rimmer drunk is great in this episode. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely love. Uh, you know, uh, Chris Barry doing a fantastic performance as Rimmer drunk. I could never invent a sandwich like this, Lister. You see, all the ingredients are wrong. The fried eggs, wrong. The chutney, wrong. The chili sauce, all wrong. But put them together, and somehow it works. It becomes right. It's you. This sandwich, Lister, is you. But it all, like, even though it is funny, like, yeah, it's some of the funniest rumour, it all becomes very, it gets very, the conversation gets fairly serious as it goes on. And again, we're yeah. seeing more of this, I think, in this in this series and series one, where you know, I, I think it was the last episode or an episode one of this series. You know, where they're on the observation deck and they have that conversation as well. There's a lot more moments where they sort of let's hit pause on the comedy and let's get to the root of what this what these characters are. Because I found Rimmer's description of you know, oh, Rimmer uh, Lister's the basically the the awful ingredient sandwich, but everyone likes him and how. Uh, yeah, all the ingredients proper. are wrong, but, That's they, it. but they when they come together, they work, and people like yeah. him, yeah. And how Rimmer's sort of, all the ingredients are right, but no one likes him. And then, I think it was the line where he said, you know what I'd do? I'd trade it all in to be, to love and to be loved, because there's no laughter there from the audience. There's no laughter. It's said completely seriously, and there's a little pause before... Because I know he starts singing then, and yes, that's funny. Like, oh, that was going to be our song, but then it was just, I just sing it now. But I, what I like, there was a little pause before he started that. Do you know what I mean? Where he just sort of sat there, and I thought, that's a nice, powerful moment. It shows that even in sitcoms, where the primary purpose, I think, is to be funny, you can have those moments where you just sort of pause a minute. And, you know, because yeah. I think it sh- it's quite but- an important showcase of Rimmer and Lister's dynamic as a, as a pair, I think. Yeah, some great poignant character moments in this episode and yeah like you say as as a pair they are seem to be growing into their friendship it's a very mm-hmm. sort of uh, adversarial friendship but it you yeah. can see in this episode that they do you know lister doesn't just mock rimmer here which he might have done in season series one in series one you can imagine lister just mocking him completely for all of this but actually yeah. here he takes a moment and he is sympathetic towards him and he actually feels sorry for him yeah which i don't think we've gotten before 
Yeah, and I, I must admit, I'm liking seeing that. Like, I'm all for the, I'm all for the jokes and stuff. But I think if, if like you say, if Lister had just parred him off instantly with like a quick one-liner, or if the, if the timing, I think of that moment was too quick as well into the next joke, I don't think it would have worked as well. But I mean, again, props to Chris Barry, who whilst he plays a great drunk rumor, he also did a great job of getting across that this character is actually, um, very lonely. I'd say, you know. Like he's very, yep. even though I know he's got Lister now, he feels he's very an isolated personality, which is obviously quite sad, really. But um, yeah, so I yeah. I hope there's more moments like that in the series. I'm not saying it should be every single episode, but now that we've established it this early on, I'd hope that it, I'd hope that it in some case continues as the series progress rather than just going, ah, forget it. We don't need that, you know? Yeah. And one of the things that comes up in that conversation is that, list uh, rimmer even admits although i'm sure he's admitted this in the past i'm sure he's mentioned it in the past that uh he mentions he's only had sex with one woman and it's it's mcgruger of course the mcgruger gets mentioned again oh yes i I, I do like the fact that they're keeping consistent with that yeah but it's like uh, you know it's like you've said before they do that you say they take these little really little moments but they don't let you forget about them they keep yeah. to their own con- they keep to their own continuity better than um, a certain other big sci-fi show that likes to <laughs> forget sometimes it's continuity but it's it's fine it's all sci-fi but yeah i like it though do you know what i mean because i think again in sitcoms you see it in so many other comedy you know they don't really care about their continuity you know they'll have Oh, here's my sister, and I haven't seen her in three years, and then sister will appear again in a few episodes. It's like, oh yeah, we hang out all the time. Do you know what I mean? It's they forget their own world, if you like. But what I'm liking with Red Dwarf, Red Dwarf is like you said, they're remembering the world they've set up. Right, we've had a McGruger reference, so that's the only person Rimmer slept with. You know, we're keeping to that, and I, as you say, I like that. I like that sort of um, adherence to it. And and again, we get. Lister kind of being a bit sympathetic towards him and he's he's kind of like he doesn't want to hear about the details because for his own sanity but also (laughs) he knows that that Rimmer's going to regret telling him in the morning and he's like no you look trust me you don't want to tell me because you'll regret it in the morning and he and and he perseveres anyway and tells him and then of course the next morning he wake well the next morning in inverted commas uh, because that's what we think initially he wakes up Mm. and we get that I thought it, it was quite well done you get the flashbacks of him like he gets up and starts exercising and then we see a flash of like the first thing he said to him yeah, uh, yeah. to Lister and he's like <gasps> and then it, like by the end of it and then when he remembers admitting that McGruber is the only person he slept with he's like oh no yeah the hand in the mouth thing that, <laughs> that Lister said he would do but um yeah and then of course it's the whole we we learn the revelation that it's actually not the next day, and that there's some there seem to be some days missing. In fact, and no one can no one can trace why. And uh, Lister's foot's broken, Cat's foot's broken, uh, the puzzle's completed. Even Ollie doesn't know what's going on. So, did you think it was a good setup for what was going on? Oh, it was brilliant. I I was hooked. I was absolutely hooked mm. by it. As soon as that happened, I was like, oh, I really want to. And they, I think they laid the clues and they laid the revelations at just the right pacing as well from this point on that kept me mm. like pretty much glued to the screen. And I was like, oh, what does that mean? Um, and these yeah. are some nice things as well, like tying in the fact that Rimmer assumes it's aliens straight away. 
<laughs> because, which yeah. ties back to an episode in season series one where he's also talking, you know, something when the garbage pod arrives and he assumes it's aliens. He's got this obsession with finding aliens, I think. So a nice little, yeah. nice little callback again there. And then when they find the gravestone on the planet, because they trace the black box back, and it says to the memory of the memory of Lisa Yates, yeah. and it's like, what is going on? What is it? Yeah, What's man. happening here? Yeah. No, it's it, they do all the good clues of like a typical, you know, piece piecing it all together with, with some good <clears throat> comedy thrown in there. And then uh, when we when we do eventually, the, you know, they retrieve the black box and they put it in and we find out what's going on. And um, it turns out uh, Lister has been meddling with uh, poor old Rimmer's dreams, isn't it? Or his or his memories, so to speak. Listy, listy, listy. Bad boy. Yeah, man. That is, Bad that boy. is a breach of uh, lots of etiquette there. I must Morally have, I did think that. I was going to say, like, the, the his heart was in the right place, but it's a very, it's a very morally, yeah, crossing the line, you know. Basically, he implants his own memories into Rimmer. Now, imagine, listeners, if your friend was like, I feel sorry for you. I'm going to take my memories, invade your mind, and put them there. It's kind of, you know, it crosses crosses several lines um one note and, I did and make, in though, using the same machine he can also spy on his dreams which yeah, in, again which it bit... seems to involve a, a small musical number of rimmer singing in his pants yeah which did make me chuck it was actually it wasn't my funniest moment it was a contender though purely because of how random it was like it literally just oh yep there he is dancing oh and he's in his underwear but i do admit that the set they use for where rimmer does all that the blue screen effect is a little bit ropey. Oh yeah, and I think it's weird though because it's when it's when the focus is on them like straight on when there's all the screens behind them. They're the bits that are blue screened, and that's where all the yellowing around them. It's all it's very. Ugh. But then when it's like close up, obviously the screens aren't there, so they seem to have used a mix of like an actual you know like a half set and then just a blue screen to put more screens behind them. I just don't know why they didn't whack a couple of CRTs behind them, you know, and just yeah. call it a day. But, but yeah, uh, those wider shots, oh yeah, sign sign of the times, I think, you know. So he gives him the memories of Lisa Yates, his time with Le- Lister's time with Lisa Yates, which is an ex girlfriend of his. They we see a lovely scene of them frolicking on the sort of on the grass somewhere and yeah. you know chase. <laughs> You're flirtily chasing. Oh, yes. oh, Dave. I love you, Dave. <laughs> yeah, all the typical romantic stuff. <laughs> which he then change, which he then augments to, so that she's saying in the memory, "I love you, Rimmer." Yeah, but we and we learn that not only does uh, Rimmer now have those memories, but he also has memories of being like Lister. So for those eight months, as far as he's aware, he drank, he smoked. He now was here's a the slob. thing: he has the memories for the full eight months, but we only saw Lister like augment that one scene to change the dialogue. Does that mean he like off camera? Did he have to go through ev- like the whole eight months, and any time somebody said his oh name, God. he has to like, or is it just like a a Microsoft Word find and replace? You can just like find <laughs> every mention of uh, of Lister and just change it to Rimmer. <laughs> Hopefully a find and replace scenario, but yeah, no, that that's a good point, actually, because if he had to do all that manually, he probably would have had to be there for days and days and days, but yeah, but I mean, as soon as we learn, we learn that and it all catches up to speed, of course, it's the, 
you know, Rim, I think it's fair to say Rimmer's not too happy that Lister's done this. No. Before he finds out, though, we get him mm. sort of bragging about how much... This is uh, Rimmer bragging about how much he was in love and he's saying, Lister, you've never felt like this. And, you know, and, and basically giving Lister's experience and, and Lister's kind of joins it. And, and he says... And he realises... Well, Rimmer starts saying like why was i was so horrible to her and why did i and he's and lister's like no wait no no you weren't because <laughs> yeah. of course he's actually talking about lister lister was horrible to her lister fobbed her off and stuff and it makes lister it's quite i quite like the way they used it to make lister sort of realize that he was a bit of an ass to lisa yeah no it's it's a good revelation because as much as lister is like obviously one of the leads and the more likable lead, even as Rimmer says, I think it's good to show that he's not, he's, I think we said before, he's not infallible. You know, he, he's not the perfect person. And like I said, he fobbed. It's yeah. It's a, as you say, it's a good way to reveal it without us necessarily having to see, having to see him be horrible to her. You know, it says enough just in, in, in Rimmer telling it to him, basically, as you say, directly. No, it's a good, it's a good revelation of it. Um, and then we get, I mean, when he does find out, we get a lovely scene on what is clearly becoming my favourite set, the observation deck. Because <laughs> I do think it looks really good, though, for the time as well. Those scenes they have on the space deck or whatever, it looks great. Yeah, it's clearly the go-to for heartfelt scenes between Lister and Rimmer. Clearly, clearly. We need them to bond quick, send them to the observation deck. <laughs> Let them they stare all have at the stars. One's... They all have that one space in dramas and sitcoms. Oh, we need to have a heart to heart, right? Off we go to. That's a good point, actually. Because every sitcom has one. On Friends, it's the balcony. Like they go outside the yeah. window, outside yeah. the back. That's where all the heartfelt scenes take place in Friends. So every sitcom must have their like heartfelt scene location. Yeah. Well, we'll have to make a note of it as we go. See if the space deck appears more for the heart to heart moments in this. Um. Well, I mean, all I'd say at the minute is, as as we come to the conclusion of the episode, is poor Cat again doesn't really get to do a great deal. Yeah, he's throughout this. I mean, he's felt like a background character for yeah. all of it. Really, he's only yeah. a sort of smidge above. I mean, no, he's probably about the same level as Holly is. I mean, the Rimmer and Lister are the main characters at the moment. It's less an ensemble as a duo show with a couple of extras. Yeah, and I think as that's much what's as I a... love Holly because Holly is fantastic and steals the scene every time he is on. Yeah, and I think that's what surprises me at the minute because from the before we started this, the main clips and pictures I had seen of Red Dwarf I think were from the later seasons, maybe from like the nineties or even the more recent stuff. And from what I saw there, you know, from those clips, that feels very much like it's a team thing. It's you know, it's a it's Rimmer, it's Lister, it's Cat, it's Crichton, it's you know, it's all it's all that. So I think Cat not getting much to do in these early seasons was a bit like, oh, okay, so he he doesn't do much at the moment. So yeah, I just feel bad for Danny John Jules because you know he, he's fab, but he he doesn't so far he hasn't really had much to do. Yeah, I'm I'm my memory is not uh, perfect on the rest of it, but um. I think it does change. Uh, I must admit, though, the the overall ending, I don't know, I just found it a bit maybe lackluster or a bit le less impacting. From which point? Do you mean the, like, 
the revelations of how each thing happened, like how they broke their foot and, you know, how the footprint arrived on the that bit or a bit later. I think more so, like, at the you know, at the very, very end, with the bit that leading into the credits, you know. Mm. I don't know. I just sort of felt, oh, that's it. You know, that's... It, it did feel a bit, a little bit rushed, but actually, I don't know what else they could have done after it. I suppose, yeah. Maybe it was just how how quick of a finish it was. You know, like you say, it's just like, all right, we've 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 put in all the loose ends, and it's the end. You know, yeah, that like, yeah. that seems to be something that they do a lot, though, on this show. I think uh, I've right. noticed it rewatching these that like it, it ends really abruptly, almost all the time, sort yeah. of out of nowhere. But they have all always wrapped up everything. It's just they they sort of end it the second they wrap up everything. Yeah, it's like there's no, we don't need a scene of like Rimmer and Lister like patching it up. It's literally like, right, we've done it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Show's over now. And like, it's 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 not bad. I don't know. I think maybe like you say, maybe it's just how how rushed it was. And it's like, oh, right. Okay. Because it's a jar to your senses, isn't it? Because I think in a lot of sitcoms or dramas, you know, once everything's wrapped up, you normally get that one quick, even if it's a quick little scene, don't you? Of like, right, here's what's happened. How are we going forward from here? And then it ends. It's like a little cool down. Whereas this is just like, right, done it. See you later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what would you give it out of um out of uh, out of nine? No, no, out of ten. Out of nine. Out of nine. <laughs> I think I've just um, given away my score. <laughs> um no, I think I'd give it I think I'd give it a, a six point five, you know. Okay. Because I must admit, compared to the other episodes we've had and in series one as well, I think on the whole, whilst it, there were some great moments like we talked about, you know, early on, Drunk Rimmer sort of saying how he wanted to love and be loved. I thought that was a great scene. Um, the oh, yeah, sorry, the space deck scene, if you like, near the end as well. And it was it was clever. But again, I just think just building on the, the whole rushness of it to get it done uh, for me, I think was just far too quick, yeah, um, and it just sort of ruined it a little bit for me. Um, and again, like you know, cat not getting much to do, and I know you say it's not an ensemble thing yet, but mm. I, I think I've always been that kind of person. Like, if you've got a setting like this where it's on like a ship with very limited characters, you know, I like it'd be nice to see those characters. So yeah, no, I think I'm going to stay with that. I'm going to say six point five. Well, in that case, this is the biggest divide we've had so, so far, far yeah. on on our scores. Because as I as I you know, quite tactfully gave away just then, <laughs> my score is nine out of ten. I really enjoyed this one. This was probably my favourite episode so far. I would say. Okay. Um, and it's it, I think because it has just kind of a mixture of everything, and it, I thought the pacing was really good. The way they revealed the mystery was really good. Um, it kept me sort of hooked all the way through, much more than any other episode had done. Uh, some of the comedy was brilliant. What we haven't talked about yet is our favourite character and favourite moment, but we, uh, I'll get back to that in a minute. But some of the comedy is just brilliant, but it's also got those sort of poignant character moments in there as well. Um, and, yeah, great stuff by Chris Barry. Um, yep. And then, yeah, so for me, this is my favourite episode. Fair enough, man. Hey, that's that's partly what we did this for, isn't it? See how differently we we view these things. Yeah. You know? but... Talking of those favourites, so mm. favourite character, 
I would say mine has to be Holly this episode. It was it's a close one between him and Rimmer because Rimmer yeah. had does have some great moments. Oh god, now I'm doubting myself because Rimmer does have those poignant moments and that sort of revealing I don't know, but just Holly it was just firing on like I said earlier, firing on all cylinders and just it was like I don't think Holly has had so many funny lines that have made me laugh out loud in one episode before this episode. Yeah. There was just loads of them. Like I wrote a few of them down. Uh and when they're talking about the state of uh, one of the characters, and he's like, oh, it's the state of the floor I'm worried about. Yeah. And uh, and then when they're talking about what had happened that they don't remember, and I think Lister goes, broke my legs. What? And broke my legs. And Kat says, and my legs. And then Holly goes, and then did a jigsaw. And it's just the, yeah. the again, it's just his delivery of it. Me saying that line, it doesn't sound funny at all. But when he does it, it just looks, it just sounds absolutely, he gets his spot on the delivery of it. They broke my leg for some reason. They broke my leg. Right. And then they did a jigsaw. Right. <laughs> and then when there's, when he's looking back at the, uh, the, when they're rerunning the black box and mm. he sees a version he sees the past version of himself and he's just like nice looking bloke yeah. <laughs> very dry very just, droll he just uh, he just had so many great moments in this but uh, maybe i'll give it a joint favorite character between him and rimmer because we do get some really good stuff from rimmer yeah well i was gonna say my favorite character was definitely rimmer in this one because like we're saying chris barry is just i will admit this is probably for me chris barry's best episode so far i will give him that like the range he exhibits, obviously from drunk Rimmer, who is just stupid and wild, and then those poignant moments as well, showing he can do the funny and the serious as well. Like, I mean, to be all like dramatic, but like when when he says that, you know, that line of, oh, I, I'd do it all again to love and be loved, like you believe him, you know, it's not just a, oh, he's just saying it because he's, obviously he's, he is saying it because he's drunk, but you, that's not the first thought you think. Your first thought is, oh man, this guy's actually a really sad character in a way so yeah I really from an acting point of view i really admire that and um yeah he he actually also had that my my funniest moment which we'll come to in a minute but yeah i absolutely think for all my other misgivings with this one i would argue this is very much rimmer's episode and my favorite rimmer episode so far go on then what's his funny what's your funniest moment this is gonna sound so bad and it's not it's so when they are looking for the black box, they're tracing the signal, and uh, Lister and Cat have gone down to the surface, and he says, "Oh, can you see anything yet?" And he says, "Yeah, I can. <laughs> he says yeah, I can, but the the quality is really poor, like Spanish television." Now, for anyone listening, uh, this is not. <laughs> I only laughed out loud because I had a very personal experience relating to this line that made me laugh. So. Obviously, back when this went out, it was in the days of analog TV, you know, and you had to get a good signal, otherwise you'd have poor quality telly. And I remember going to Spain a few times in the early to mid-2000s, sometimes with family, uh, one time with school, and it was actually that time I remember. We stayed in this cheap, nasty <laughs> hotel, bunch of 12-year-olds in a hotel, I don't know what they were thinking, but all of our TVs were these really ancient, like, you know, proper old-style analog TVs, and you know as 12-year-olds do, you want to watch the TV, and every channel, 
and no matter how much we fiddle with the aerial, we're such poor quality. So as soon as Rimmer said that, I because it took me straight back to that memory. And it's nothing against any Spanish list. It's nothing against you. It's just at that point in time, your TV reception was not that good. I'm sure it's great now. You've gone digital. I'm sure it's pitch perfect. But I think it's just, you know, when you have memories attached to, to jokes like that. I think just the way you delivered it sparked that memory and I couldn't stop giggling. So that is my favorite moment in this episode. God, what's mine? I I struggled to pick one. I'm going to, can I just group all of Holly's lines? As, Go for it. Yeah, yeah, as yeah. Like a, uh, put them all in a montage and that is my funniest moment because they, they were just great in this episode. No, I mean, he always, he always delivers, doesn't he? But you're right. He had some absolute crackers in this one. Well, there we go. That is thanks for the memories. Now we need to go and wipe our memories of this podcast. Yeah, we'll 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 come back to the next one and and won't make any mention of this. You know, maybe that should be our continuity, Phil. We just never reference this episode. Specifically never talk again. about it again. Never again. <laughs> Who's Gruger? What McGruger? Until that? we find <laughs> the black box. Till we find the black box that'll be, I don't know, buried under 10 Downing Street for all we know. <laughs> yes, it's on Zoom servers somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, guys, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Everybody's Dead Dave. It's It's been a blast, as always. Uh, again, if you haven't listened to any of our previous episodes, they are all available for you to watch and listen to. Head over to Phil's YouTube channel, and they will all be there. And at the time of this recording, they're not yet, but hopefully in the future they will be available on streaming sites like Spotify. Hopefully by now, and... in fact. Oh, by now, de- yeah, we'd hope so. So <laughs> I forget we're, you know, pre-recording episode number in yeah, advance. We're but... recording this episode the day before episode one is being released. So that's how far <laughs> ahead we're recording. So you can't say we're not prepared because <laughs> we definitely are. But um, yeah, you, by the time this is out, just, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, just... Search Everybody's Dead Dave. We should come up. Give us a listen there. And um, Phil, where can the lovely listeners find you? Well, you've already lovingly mentioned my YouTube channel. That's the best place. Philip Hawkins is my name. One L in Philip. And that's my YouTube channel too. I talk about sort of all sorts of geeky pop culture. Uh, This podcast is going to be on there. As well as a lot of content about Doctor Who. A lot, lot of content about Doctor Who. But also other things like um, the MCU and Star Trek and other geeky pop culture, things like that. What about yourself, Adam? Where can they find you and what are you doing? (laughs) Wow, quick quick fire question. What are you doing? What are you doing, Adam? (laughs) Tell them, tell them now. Okay, I'm not breaking lockdown rules, I swear. Um, No, I am in my own house, I promise. Um, So you can find me on YouTube at Adam Martin, Martin with a Y. I noticed that you say Philip with one L, I say Martin with a Y. Um, But yeah, type in. We should get that on t shirt, t shirts, (laughs) and then that could be our merch. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Philip with an L, Martin with a Y. (laughs) That's quite good, actually. Anyway, you can type in Adam Martin with a Y on YouTube. You can find me there. I do videos similar to Philip on like a lot of pop culture things, Doctor Who, uh, things I'm interested in, like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, now that's what I call music, classic TV, just all sorts of things, really. I'm sure there's something there you'll like. You can also catch me on Twitter at Adam Martin Actor if you want to give me a follow there. And you can follow Phil as well on Twitter. 
At, um, oh, I was want... avoiding it. Uh, talking oh, about oh right, Twitter. I didn't know you. I thought you just forgotten. But... <laughs> no, I, it was because I'm I'm still contemplating changing my Twitter handle, and uh, I figure uh, I should just stop mentioning the current that, one okay. because. Uh, but 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 now you have it is uh, at i u d. I'm spelling it out i u d e x <laughs> underscore phil because this is why I'm changing it. It's pronounced <laughs> udex. And you can't Jesus. say that because nobody knows how that's spelled. It's, <laughs> don't, it's Latin. Don't worry about it. Uh, I'm going to change it. But for now, that's just, that's what you need to look for. <laughs> might have changed Absolutely. by the time this podcast comes out. It might. We'll just wipe our memories that we ever mentioned it. You know, <laughs> what was your Twitter again? I can't remember, but we'll do that. But um, yeah, uh, I mean, from Phil and myself, everyone, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Everybody's Dead Dave. And we will catch you next time. See you later. Goodbye.